All right, welcome into post game edition of Austin Audibles. Matt Pre and Eric Scopel here from Stanford Stadium. Um, Oregon walks out of Stanford Stadium for the first time since 2015 with a victory, 21 to six over the Stanford Cardinal Ducks. Improved to three and one on the year, one and zero in conference play. First conference win of, of the season for the Ducks. Stanford falls to one and three, zero and two in conference and. I think that from the if, if just eliminate everything from what we saw on the field and just strictly look at win loss, mm-hmm. that is going to be a huge storyline because going into now the month of October, we know for certain Oregon at, at worst will have a two game lead over the Sanford Cardinal for the Pac-12 North. Uh, they have a one game lead over the Washington Huskies, and that could also change. And now I think. It's setting up, you know, Oregon's got the inside track to be the, you know, Pac-12 North champion going into the month of October, but let's focus. It's still really early, yes. but yes. But, but also let's now focus directly on this game. Yeah. And weird deal because it's, you know, the Ducks win 21-6. to uh, Herbert throws three touchdown passes. Two go to J- uh, Jacob Breland, one of uh, 16 yards, another 24 Um Oregon dominates defensively. They look really, really good at times offensively. But yet, you walk away from this game, and it feels a lot like what like an FCS opponent when you don't really take them out like you should. Like, I think there's a little bit of like, really like, that's what Oregon's offense looked like tonight. But this might this it looks like yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna throw a shout out to my dad who texted me something I think sort of encapsulated what I saw a lot on social media. He goes, "What is wrong with me when I'm disappointed with a when Oregon handily beats Stanford on the road?" Like, like seriously though, yeah. and that was really the sense on on social media that yeah. I got, and a sense that I felt a little bit too. Yeah, um, Oregon never really had the knockout shot. They go up 21 to three with 10:40 left in the game, and obviously at that point you're in great shape. But it, it they had so many opportunities that they. I mean, Oregon had 17 first downs. Yeah, they, they, you know this is a game where we're really they went 21 to six. And I'm not even sure if we said the score yet, but if, if we, if we, I apologize if we hadn't. Um, they went 21 to six, and it feels like a game that really could have been like 42 to six. Yeah, like they had a lot, they left a lot of points on the board. I think you probably have a lot of question marks about some of the choices they made in terms of you know they ran the ball as many they ran the ball more times than they threw it technically, although. Um, five of those were, were, were sacks by Herbert on pass plays, but uh, they had 30 rushes and 24 passes, and they gained 61 yards on those 30 rushes while they gained 260 on the 24 passes. So it's clear that the passing game was really where they had their success tonight, and yet they really focused on running the football. And, and I know that's in part a um, sort of an identity thing with this program. They want to be physical. Cristobal mentioned that after the game, uh, that physicality is, is kind of an, of the utmost importance. And I think you, you saw that for sure at times tonight. But I walk out of this game going, really impressive win. Oregon yeah. ends a, a streak here of losing to Stanford that none of these seniors on this team had had, had done that yet. Uh, but like my, my dad texted me, like I said, you do come away kind of going like, it feels like something's kind of missing. Because yeah. offensively, um, it just wasn't quite right. And we haven't even got to the fact that the defense is awesome. I mean, the defense is no touchdowns for three straight games. Listen to this. These yeah, notes we got some incredible notes. On Oregon's defense and the way they performed. Well, first of all, let's just look at the game in particular. Uh, 13 first downs allowed. 
Stanford ran for just 114 total yards, averaged just 3.5 yards per carry. They threw for just 120, completed just over 50% of their passes, averaged 4 yards per attempt, 7.5 yards per completion, no touchdowns, one interception, just 234 yards of total offense for Oregon defense allowed in this football game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And third straight game that they did not allow a touchdown. And this is where things get just ridiculous for the defense, okay? Uh, they did not allow a touchdown for the third straight game, marking the first time Oregon has done this since 1935. Nineteen thirty-five is the last time that's happened. Sorry for the SID staff. I went <laughs> back eighty-four years to find that. Uh, they've held opponents, three straight consecutive opponents, to single digits in scoring for the first time since nineteen sixty-eight when they played at Washington versus Idaho versus Utah. Uh, defense has gone forty-two straight drives without allowing a touchdown over the last three games. That's amazing. Defense has allowed a touchdown just two of the last twenty quarters dating back to last season. Uh, and they've now not allowed a first-half touchdown in six consecutive games, which is 40 total drives. And Oregon has outscored, because of their defense is so good, Oregon has outscored their opponents in the first four games this season, 84-15 to 15 in the first half. So 15, and this is the wild thing, 15 points have been scored uh in the last three games, I believe, right? That's correct. Yeah. And five field goals. Oregon's defense is just straight balling. And we should mention this game started with Stanford moved the right ball right down the field. I mean, there was there was like, oh boy, like, like oh, and, and Stanford drove it right down the field. They got in position. I thought it looked like they could score, and they end up kicking a field goal. And here's the drive chart after that: three, they had four yards in a punt, two yards in a punt, twenty-three yards in a punt, thirty yards in a punt, six yards in a punt, fifteen yards in a punt, an interception by Javon Holland. 39 yards and their second field goal, 21 yards and a turnover on downs, minus 12 yards in turnover on downs. I mean, and then there's, I don't even know what you can nitpick here. I mean, obviously you, you'd love maybe that rush defense to be slightly better. But, I mean, but take, I mean, like, come on, like, what are we even talking? Take about? out the first drive, right? And yeah. Stanford had 173 yards of total offense outside of that on their, first. On like the last what 10 drives? Yeah, 10 drives, it's incredible. I mean, they averaged 17 yards a drive their last 10 after going. Basically the length of the field and, and chewing up six minutes and 17 seconds of, of clock on that first drive. You know, they, they didn't hit 12 plays until the sixth play of, of the next, of the third drive following that. Mm-hmm. You know, Oregon's defense was terrific. Two three and outs. Average field position for Stanford was in their own 20 yard line. Average field position for Oregon was the 39-yard line. So and that's due to the defense. And that's due to the defense, just playing tremendous football. Um, I think you look at Oregon's punting. I was going to say, Blake Mamone Blake, deserves some yes. real credit. Blake Mamone did a really good job in this game. Averaged 45.7 yards per punt, a long of 57. All six, six, uh, Five of his six punts landed inside the 20, and he had two 50-yarders. I think the last punt was like a 37-yard punt. was by far his worst punt. Prior to that, the average was over 49. I think it was almost 50. I mean, he was outstanding, and they have a weapon. Yeah, They have a real weapon in the punting game, and this is where it's like this is so not what Oregon has been in the past where you have a dominant defense and a punter that just booms the ball, and you can play field position, where, which is why Oregon was 21-6. to They're super excited after the game. There's No no one's hanging their heads about no. this at all. I mean, this was a jacked-up locker room. Um, we, we, Jacob Breland said after the game that 
Mario Cristobal was dancing in the middle of the thing. We saw some on some players' social media video of that, and it looked like it was a raucous thing. I think um, a Stanford person even came in and told him to turn the music down because yeah. it was so loud and it was interfering with with David Shaw's press conference. So I mean, I think you said it best. Like, yeah, you, I'm sure I did. <laughs> uh, Oregon just dominated Stanford, mm-hmm. and you walk away feeling like let down. It could have been even better. Yeah, like th- I, I think we're seeing the potential in this Oregon team really present itself because quite honestly, like they've yet to play a clean football game and it is damn near impressive with what it looks like as a football squad with what we've been able to see. Yeah. I I mean, you smooth out the offense. Yeah. And that's what we need to talk about a little bit here is, is, is that part of it because Despite everything the defense did, and despite, like, I wrote on Twitter that that was a dominant 21-6 yeah. win, and everyone's like, what are you talking about? It was dominant. I'm like, do you think, at any point, did you think Stanford was going to win the game after that first drive? I didn't. Once, Stan- once Oregon scored and you watched that defense, there was no question who the better team was. Yeah. That defense shut Stanford down. Stanford didn't have a chance moving that football. And it just now comes down to that offensive identity and how much of this changes now they go into the bye week. Jacob Brillen said after the game that they're expecting to get Schooler, Jawan Johnson, and Michael Pittman all back after the bye week. We'll see if that happens. Um, that's certainly an optimistic thing to hear if they, if they have all those guys back against Cal. How much does that change the offense? Or is it something where it's just they're not going to be particularly aggressive? And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. And I think that's probably the frustrating thing for fans. You win 21-6. to It's a dominant win. The game's never really in doubt. But it feels like there's a lot of points potentially left on the board. And I think part of that is the fact that it seems like there's a little bit of stubborn stubbornness in the play calling. They run the ball on first and second down. And early on in the game, a lot of success. As the game went on, credit to Stanford's defense, Verdell had a really hard time getting more than one to three yards on first down. And that puts you in a tough spot. Yeah, I, I think what's really strange is that at times there's there are plays where you look at Verdell and you're like, just one shoeless tackle away and 40 yards. Right. And so you're, you feel close. Like, you feel like the running game is close. And then other plays, he, you know, Oregon's running backs just completely miss the hole yeah. and run into so the back lot, of their linemen. Of and so the last two weeks it was, okay, Oregon ran up against a 3-3-5 defense, funky defenses. Not going to see that. Sure. You know, what, what's going to happen, you know. But this is a game where they match up really well against Stanford. They have the personnel to match, you know, to, to, a scheme to run against Stanford. They did it last year mm-hmm. against Stanford. Sure did, yeah. And Much better on the run last they year. just, for whatever reason, have not been able to do it. And to me, I, I there's some people out there that are climbing for other running backs. I think Verdell is the guy. Okay. And I, I think Verdell also is the guy that allows the full repertoire of the offensive playbook to be used because there is a huge step down in talent when you throw in pass protection at the running back position. And there was a huge third down in the third quarter um, that Oregon ended up not scoring on the drive, but they were kind of backed up on in their, inside their 20. And it was third down, and a, a linebacker blitz clean – off the line, and no lineman was there to protect Herbert. And it was up to Verdell to stop this linebacker, and he stonewalled him. And, you know, executed the play perfectly, protected the quarterback, and next thing you knew, 
Herbert connected on a deep ball or an intermediate pass for a first down change move. I think the pass was to Brian Addison. Yeah, I remember that play. Um, and that is why Verdell is in the game because Travis Dye doesn't hold that block. Darian Felix doesn't hold that block. Cyrus Abilakio was hurt, so he was he's not even an option. Right. I, I think Verdell is su- such a better pass protection player than those other two players at the running back position. That also though doesn't excuse the fact that this run game it's like broken. It, it, I That's, don't know if I'm going to say it's, broken. It's not great. It's, it's really not. It's not playing really well. And I, that's, you know, I, I think some of the play call choices are weird um, at times of things. But I also think I'm much more concerned that Oregon has Justin Herbert at quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they have a guy that is maybe no better player in the country at the position. And Look like it tonight. Oregon is not allowing, you know, Oregon is not throwing the ball a ton. Mm-hmm. And this is a game in which throwing, you know, with Oregon offense, you know, they, they average just, where is it, two yards per carry. Now that factors in some sacks. Four sacks. So it's probably more like three something. Yeah. But three. Herbert himself is averaging 10 yards, almost 11 yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. Almost 14 yards per completion. There was a lot of opportunity for the ball down the field. And I would like to, I mean, this is the point where it's now, it's just trust him. Trust your offense. And there's being safe, and I understand, like, you know, why you're not taking deep shots down up, up two scores in the fourth quarter. Sure. Like, I get that. But you've also got an elite quarterback, really good decision maker, rocket arm, run some short stuff. Run some screens, run some swing passes, do something, and and allow your best player to to make an impact on the game. We should mention he was like almost throwing a perfect game out here. They had five, he was nineteen for twenty four, and I think four of those came on four of those incompletions were dropped. Yeah, and the fifth was one where Brett Jacob Breland was trying to catch the ball and he ran into the ref. I mean that that, that that's what I mean. He didn't have like basically a bad throw all game. And I and, and I think that's the part that's a little frustrating and maybe perplexing. I had a hard time saying that one. <laughs> is, is the fact that he was he was out there just basically on a heater, didn't miss anyone basically all day, and yet they kind of took the ball out of his hand. And I know you, you want to you know you don't want to make a mistake and suddenly Stanford picks it off and goes the other way for a touchdown and the game becomes something different. But I also think. Let him throw the football and move the ball down the field. And maybe we'll see more of that once these other receivers come back. Um, yeah, that, I mean, and, and that could be part of it. That, yeah, I was going to say, maybe that's a big reason why you know things aren't working well or, or play calling is what it is or whatnot. But, but I also look back at the fact that they had seven touchdown, seven passing touchdowns, right, against Nevada. Yeah. And they had five touchdown passes last week against Montana. They had all three other touchdowns this week um, against Stanford or through the air. Um, those plays are available, and and clearly they're they're pretty guarded in what they're doing. And, and I think, you know, we, we should mention in the passing game. Jacob Breland had a tremendous game: five catches, seventy-eight yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Wright had the other touchdown. Brian Addison probably had his best game at receiver: four catches for forty-two yards. All of his catches were for first downs. So some really positive things. Uh, Jai Johnson three for forty-one was also a, a big factor. All his catches were first downs. He took some big shots in each of them. Um, but a lot to like from the passing game. I just think let's let's see some more of it. There was opportunity to show a little bit more of it. You get a bye week, guys come back and get healthy. You go against a, against a Cal team who looked pretty good against Ole Miss today, um, offensively and defensively. That's I think going to be a big test uh, in a couple weeks. But I'd, I'd love to see them just kind of unleash Justin Herbert again. Throw, let let this guy throw the ball down the field. Let him have his highs of the moment. And I think he didn't get an opportunity to do that tonight, like I would have liked to see. Yeah, I mean he's the 
he's your best player. Yeah. On you know both sides of the football, and I think that's where I think there's some frustration or you know confusion of of why you don't use him to you know full extent. You know, maybe it's I don't know. I, I think in reality, I'd like to see them you know throw more. I think there were opportunities to do that. But at the end of the day, you know, you go back with what Mario Cristobal said. You don't apologize for winning ugly. No. Like, again, and it goes back to what you said this, you know, earlier in the show, is that, you know, Oregon dominated from start to finish 21-6, and we're walking off the football field and then now in the press box Saturday night, and it's we're complaining yeah, that... We're, we're nitpicking. We're nitpicking here that the offense didn't score enough points in a blowout win, like... To a degree, like, I, I agree with everything, but at the same time, it's just kind of like, this is a team that just smashed an opponent that's given them fits the last three years. And quite honestly, like, the way they're playing, like, I mean, this isn't, this isn't Oregon football ten years ago. No, it's not at all. It's, and it's like inversed. I think the reason, and, and I feel confident though that this group can win big games, because, yeah, the offense has, has their issues, but this defense is just straight-up insane. I mean, we're getting to the point where we now have to start considering, is this the best defense in the last decade? Is this the best defense in the Oregon. last mm-hmm. 20 years? Is this the best defense ever at Oregon? I don't know if that's ever yet, but we're getting to that point where we're we're now going to start wondering. We're measuring it. We're yeah, measuring it up. Yeah. They're doing things that... That championship defenses do, and when I talk about championships, I'm saying Pac-12. Sure. That they can carry the team. Oregon knows, like, they only need to score 21 points. They could have scored seven to win tonight. Yeah. In the last three games, I they mean, could have scored one touchdown. They think won. about that and what that does for uh, for an offense, knowing in that, you know, for so long, Oregon has always been, God, if the defense could just play just average, the, the Oregon offense will win because we'll score 40 points. But, you know, the Oregon fan has always gone into the games wondering, like, what is this offense? Is the offense going to be able to carry the defense? Can can the defense just get three stops in the game so that we can win the game? Like, that worry for Oregon fan is gone. Like, at least this year, I think. Like, th- this group is tremendous. And, and I think we should say that I think we'll see them tested a lot more in about a month. Um, obviously, a bye week coming up. The last three opponents, not necessarily juggernauts offensively, although... I, some, definitely some talent in all these teams. Um, they played Auburn really good, and that's a talented team that went out and, and, and beat a good Texas A&M team today. But I think when you get to Washington and Washington State in consecutive weeks, that's really when you're going to learn if this group is the best of the decade or the best in program history. I mean, if, if, they, if they go into that game with not having allowed like more than one or two touchdowns in five games, you know, you're going to feel really good. And I do want to run down some guys who just statistically on the defensive side because we ran through some offensive stuff, but the defensive players. Deserve a ton of credit. Five sacks today, eight tackles for loss, eight pass breakups, four quarterback hits, uh, one interception from Javon Holland. Um, Javon Holland, eight tackles, one for loss, an interception, one pass breakup. Thomas Graham, nine tackles, two pass breakups. Nick Pickett, five tackles, two pass breakups. And then the sacks here, Gus Cumberlander was was great tonight. Uh, one and a half sacks, had one that looked like forced to fumble. Samson who scooped it and ran it for a touchdown. They reviewed it and said it was... That Costello was down before the ball came out. Um, sacks for Drayton Carlberg, Andrew Falu, whose brother Austin didn't play a lot tonight, but good to see the younger brother get out there and get his, I think, his first or second career sack. Lamar Winston had a, had a crucial sack, and then how about Kayvon Thibodeau finally getting his first 
portion of a sack. I only got credited for half of it because Cumberlander, and he shared that one. But just a lot of guys contributing, uh, you know, on this defense. And, and, you, and you, you look at the statue here, I mean, it's like top to bottom. It's a ton of guys that are, are making contributions at a ton of different spots and a ton of different ways. Um, and, and you, again, I mean, this is not just Oregon has 11 good defensive players, and that's why they're so good. This is a... 18 to 20 to 22, and you have to. I'd have to go through and, and watch the whole game again and be focused in on who's out there all the time. But they got contributions from just about everybody that stepped onto the field tonight, and that's I think what makes this group so special and why the up, you know, the upside is so high is that you know, knock on wood, if a player does go down, um, they've got players capable of stepping in, and we should say they've been relatively healthy so far. Yeah, we should mention Jake Hansen did not play in this football game at the center position. I think you can kind of chalk some of that up to Oregon's run game issues. I think you yeah, can chalk. Part of it. I think you can chalk up the fact that Justin Herbert got some pressure in some sacks. He was sacked tonight times. Uh, in, in this football game. I think those are contributing factors. Not the only reason, but I think contributing. Um, Juwan Johnson again. He wasn't even here. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't make the trip. Um, I think that's a concern for Oregon because look, like if he was day to day and was real close. I would think that You'd bring him. you would bring him to see what would happen. And the fact that they didn't even bring him tells you, I think, where he stands. Uh, Austin Folio made his return. Bryson Young made his return um, in this football game. Thomas Graham played and made his return, played really, really well. Outside of that, I don't really think there were any injuries to, to note during the football game that we know of. Um, some may pop up as guys get home and um, – yeah, adrenaline comes out their bodies. Was, but yeah, I didn't see anybody walk off or taken off. That's actually something that I hadn't really thought about. That's a really positive thing, especially in a physical game like this. Uh, Oregon, again, though, just walks out of this football game. I think the defense, again, sold the show. The offense did, you know, did enough to win this football game. And, you know, once again, we're feeling really good. And Oregon goes into a bye week now. They're four, you know, three and one. Uh, we'll see where they move in the top 25 rankings. Wouldn't surprise me if, if they're maybe in the 13s, 12s. Jump a couple spots you know, up. Range. Um, and then it's a bye week, and, and Oregon coaching staff will be out recruiting. Uh, the team will be resting, getting healthy. Uh, and next thing you know, we're going to be preparing for a California game on a Saturday night, potentially, uh, where Oregon could be facing a really, really tough opponent. And, if, and we should mention, if California beats Arizona State at home next week, that could be two top 15, top 18 type of teams, and maybe that's a game that entices college game day to come over to Eugene. Who knows? That's obviously very speculative. There's a lot of good games that week, but um, in terms of games this season, that's going to be one of the more attractive ones, especially if Cal is, I believe they'd be 6-0, and uh, or 5-0? and 5-0, and I guess, coming into that one. Real quick. Yeah. It's four games, but do you feel like Andy Avalos deserves a race? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you got to find a way to keep him around. And, like, let's just be honest here. A coach who's... And Oregon fans are happy for saying this, but a coach who's this good is going to get a lot of attention from other schools, as you know, for coordinating positions, maybe for head coaching positions over at maybe a year or two down the road. Um, enjoy this defense while you can. I'm not saying it's like going to go away, but just like relish the fact that again, like this is the first time in 84 years or whatever the stat was that Oregon has allowed <laughs> or not allowed a touchdown in three consecutive games. Like that stuff just doesn't happen. What he's done. So far, I know, I know, we've said it before, that the, the offenses the last three games aren't juggernaut offenses, but it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, that, it, to not allow a touchdown in three consecutive games is 
crazy. It really is to not have one or two slip ups here or there, to not have a drive where you get a bunch of, you know, a penalty, a phantom penalty is called and the ball's at the one yard line and yeah. the other team punches it in. I mean, it's, it's been, it's fun to watch and yeah, you do whatever you can to keep him around for as long as you can because as long as he's the coordinator here and you have this talent and a lot of this talent's young talent that's not going, going away anytime soon, this defense is going to be <laughs> really, really good, especially if they go out and finish this recruiting class um, at a high level like we expect they will. All right. That's going to do it for us from Stanford Stadium. Uh, Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prem, thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Ducks improved 3-1 on the year. Adios, amigos.